Welcome to Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum. Hey, I'm Marcus Richardson. And I'm Nathan Hicken. And Nathan, do you want to explain to the poor listener who doesn't know what's going on, what this is and why we're talking to in their ears? Of course. So uh, every time we'll be playing through a murder mystery that one of us has written, one of us will be the detective and one of us will be the witnesses, the crime, the body and everything else. The, the curator of murder. Curator. Yes. So we have a, a little murder mystery podcast here, but we need to get into the the murder mood, let's say. So I actually have prepared some mini murders for us to, to wet our whistle. So Nathan, are you ready for some practice murders? Oh, I'm so ready for this. Awesome. So these are taken from this riddle game from the 1980s. I think 1980s? Oh yeah, I think it's like 1989. Oh, ni- 1990s. Uh, mind trap and we know from personal experience that some of these are garbage uh <laughs> yeah we haven't read them before so that means we get to do them together so here's mini murder number one shadow surveyed the scene it zach gusher what a name what the famous oil tycoon of was found shot to death yeah of course while sitting in his car Shadow was puzzled by the fact that he couldn't find a single trace of gunpowder anywhere in the car. This led Shadow to believe that Itzak had been murdered by someone outside the car. The strange part is all the windows and doors were completely closed and locked. The only bullet holes found were on Itzak's body. Since the car was not damaged, how did the assassin manage to kill him? Sunroof? Uh... It says all windows and doors were completely closed. I think sunroofs count as a window, right? Yeah. I mean, the person could have been inside the car, shot him while the door was open, closed all the doors. Oh, yeah, he could have opened the door, shot him, and then closed the door. Yeah? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's go with yeah, that. Let's stick with that. It says... Oh. <laughs> Your first guess was actually closer to correct. It's that Gusher was in a convertible. Oh, he was shot when the top oh was down. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, okay. I, okay, okay. You, so, so, all right, all I right. I think that is a win. <laughs> I mean, like, it didn't say that the, the door was never open, because it is possible for other people to lock your car yeah, ex- when they leave, right? Exactly. Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. N- number two. The Coast Guard ship pulled over next to the drifting boat from which Sid Shady was frantically waving. The sun was beating down as a hot and perspiring Shady jumped aboard the Coast Guard ship and began begging for water. After several glasses, Shady recounted the last several days. Lance and I were out fishing six days ago when both our engine and radio broke down. We've been drifting out here ever since. Three days ago, we ran out of water. Lance started to drink the seawater and went crazy. While going below deck, he fell down the ladder, hit his head, and killed himself. What? (laughs) Shadow examined Lance's body and confirmed that he had indeed died from a blow to the head. Shadow turned to 
Shadow turned to Shady. I dislike how they named their de facto criminal Shady and their de facto detective Shadow. That's annoying. That's annoying and confusing. (laughs) But Shadow turned to Shady and said, Based on your account, I believe Lance was murdered. Why? Okay. Here's my guess. It's making a point out of after several glasses of water. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, after you haven't drinking for so long, it's impossible to drink large quantities of water without... No, maybe that's not it. Maybe something about he's perspiring, but if he hasn't had water in three days... Oh! How... how does he that's know? gotta be it. Yeah. That's gotta be it. Yeah, he's sweating. Least... He's he's sweating, so it's like saying, oh, like, your, your, your boatmate clearly wasn't... Uh, I was about to say starving for water. I think that there is a different word for this. Uh, he wasn't thirsty. Okay, is it is this our guess? Um, is there anything else about the body that could you read the found the body part again? The body indeed died from a blow to the head. While going below deck, he fell down the ladder, hit his head, and killed himself. I mean, is the ladder that tall that he could die from a fall? I, it doesn't tell us what size the ship is, so yeah. I, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling like the sweating. Gotta yeah. be All right. The answer is Shady said they had run out of water three days ago. If that was the case, Shady would have been dehydrated and yep. would have not been perspiring when he jumped aboard the Coast Guard ship. Yup. That's a point to Nathan <laughs> right there. I just realized we'll probably want to keep score. <laughs> Not actually. I mean, we're we're all <laughs> this together. Number three. This is our our final murder mis. Uh, sorry, mini murder before the murder mystery. All right, Shadow. Oh boy, Shadow and his dog climbed the icy hill to Jed Recluse's <laughs> cottage. Shadow knocked and then let himself in. The cottage was icy cold. Jed's body was sprawled on the floor in a pool of blood, a single bullet hole in his head. A suicide note lay on the table. It read, Since I've lost the use of my legs, I have no reason to live. I'm tired of relying on the goodwill of Sid Shady (laughs) (laughs) to bring me my weekly supplies. I leave my fortune to him. Signed, Jed Recluse. Outside, Shadow could not see the two sets of tracks made in the snow by him and his dog. A third set came and went off in another direction. Shadow's dog was happily sniffing the third set of tracks, which led to Shady's home. When Shadow broke the news, Shady cried, That's unbelievable. I was there five days ago. And he was in great spirits. Shadow clenched his cigar and said, Tell me what really happened. Why is Shady's story doubted? Um, maybe because he's flipping Shady? Maybe yeah. because his name is Sid Shady? And w- the real mystery here is how, it, why, how is he not in jail? How is he able to continue to pull this crab? How does he keep getting out? Oh. Exactly. It's, I'm sure it's something about... Um, it's something to do with the snow tracks, but yeah. I kind of got lost in reading the text. I'm not exactly sure what I read. If he's only been there five days ago, would the would the prince still be there? That that's got to be it, right? Um, oh, I I think I I don't remember if I said could or couldn't, but Shadow could see his two sets of tracks made in the snow, and then a third set mm-hmm. came off and went in a different direction. Yeah, 
Is there anything else about the beginning about the, the setup? Is, is it sunny outside or something? It says, icy hill. Knocked, let himself in. The cottage was icy cold. Laying in a pool. Laying in a pool of blood. Laying in a pool of blood. But the does blood freeze at the same temperature as water? I caught that too. I don't know. My guess is probably not. I mean, I feel like it's trying to make a point though. Because it does say the cottage was icy cold. Yeah. And that might be its way of saying ice cold. And... I feel like that means that it's just recently died. It specifically being a pool is not not legit. Yeah. So he must have visited more recent than that. And Jed Recluse Recluse died pretty recently. Let's check. Shady was lying about being at Jed's five days ago. It was obvious he was there much later since Shadow's dog was sniffing his tracks. Oh, okay. okay. If Shady was telling the truth, the tracks would no longer possess an odor and therefore would have been no interest to the dog. As we all know, odor leaves after I mean, five days. How can we forget the classic smell degradation theory? <laughs> How how can we forget the well-known fact that all smells only can last a maximum of four days? Dang. Silly us. <sighs> well, well, well <laughs> a bit of a loss there. Man, it's just such a mixed bag. Like, the perspiring one is good. It's, it's fine. The yeah. gun one is okay. That one... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's like hard... Cause... One thing, they lie about one thing, and that means they're the murderer. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what we learn here. If I ever hear a friend say one lie, and then I'm like, who'd you kill? Basically, what did you do? I'm going to assume in the murder mystery you've written that everyone is telling the truth. But if they lie, then that means, boom, they did it. That's enough. <laughs> that is absolutely enough to establish culpability. If they lie one time in their entire life. That's no. it. I'm sorry. You're out. Well, speaking of my murder mystery, I have as much anticipation as you do, I think. Uh, I will be our first murder curator uh, for the podcast. So, are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, I will set the scene. So you wander through the dark woods, of course, because it needs to start in dark woods. And actually, I have a few few questions for you. You see in the distance uh, a large black marble building that looks like your stereotypical museum fashioned after a Greek model. What would you say the silhouette looks like to you? Oh, a silhouette, I would say um, multi-story, tall, strong pillars, um, light, orange light coming out of the windows, highlight uh the, the the black outlines of the trees coming up around it around it you can just barely see the roof of it um poking over the trees breaking through um yeah nice. yeah outsourcing the exposition i already know is way better <laughs> all right so you approach the the orange glow of this slightly obscured building and you arrive at the doors what do the doors look like Huge stone ornate uh, carved black doors um, with hints of 
ivy and other scenes that have been muddled and worn away by time so we can't exactly tell what they are there's a huge knocker on the right side made of brass nice is it just a circular knocker it's clearly been it's clearly a head of some sort but not of any creature we recognize nice well you enter the the broad uh, stone double doors that give much easier than you expect. And you walk into a hall with a deep maroon carpet, elegant baseboards with golden trim, and a central atrium uh, full of skylights uh, where you can see the dark and foreboding sky. Mm. I go with my gut. Yeah, it's yeah. dark and foreboding because of course it is. Um, and my, my last question is, what does it feel like when you enter the museum? Ooh, you can feel a slight breeze. Like there's there's an open window somewhere, but you can't tell where it's coming from. The air is is, is light, but there, there is a seemingly a layer of dust. It feels empty, almost abandoned, but not quite. It's a little too clean for abandoned, despite the, the, the dust and everything. Um, I would say the floor is... Uh, is, is shiny enough that it squeaks whenever you walk on it so each step just echoes loudly okay so so i said carpet you say squeaks. oh sorry so let, 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 let's let's nix the carpet because i like i like the vibe of of your your squeaks very nice well d- just as you you notice each of these things uh you notice immediately to your left a tall man in formal wear uh, he definitely wasn't there before, and he's within, like, one foot of you. Mm-hmm. And he smiles, and he kind of raises his eyebrows at you, and kind of goes, uh, uh. And he says, welcome to Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum. We're glad to have you here. Our featured exhibit is just down the hall in the center of the atrium. Oh. Oh, the center of the atrium. Uh, Okay. Um, I walk nervously towards the atrium, kind of glancing back every now and then, see if he's still there. Yeah, he's still there, and his eyes are wide and tracking you all the way to what appears to be a painting with uh, a spotlight of sorts shining on it. And this painting is large, and it depicts a picturesque landscape of snowy mountains backlit by a vivid red sunset. It's pretty, but you also might kind of expect to see it in like a dentist's waiting room. It's a little generic. The the one unique detail about this painting, though, is there is a thin diagonal black line that bisects the painting from left to right. And as you get closer, there's a little black dot on the center of that line. But it's too ma- uh, it, it's too small to, to really make out any details. Interesting. Well, I'm gonna lean a little closer, see if I can essentially zoom in on the painting. What what can I make out? Enhance. Enhance. That little black dot. You notice it's actually moving across the line, up and down. And this is a painting. It's for sure a painting because as you get closer, you can see the texture of the paint. You can see the material used. Noticing the dot moving is actually the last thing you remember before your vision goes white. It swirls around you like a snowstorm, but you don't feel cold. You just feel nothing. Time loses meaning in this white void. After an eternity of emptiness, or maybe just a few minutes, it stops as suddenly as it began, and you're no longer in the museum. 
Now you're in a log cabin with three walls. Where the fourth wall should be is an opening into a snowy mountainside and a bunch of machinery and large cables running into the building. And on the side of the wall, a metal sign inside of the cabin says Redford Peaks Aerial Tramway. And then underneath it, longest open balcony gondola ride in the nation. Gondolas, yes. And you you are bombarded with sensations. You are cold. It is loud. It is windy outside. And immediately to your left is a smiling man. This time in an uh, officer's outfit, but with the same Cheshire cat smile that you saw from the man who introduced you to the museum. Oh. He leans in close and he says, good luck. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he reaches over and hands you what looks to be a golden pocket watch. He drops it in your hands and says, if you get stuck, you can get a little help, but it only counts if you solve it. It only counts if I solve it. Ooh. You'll figure everything out. I can tell you're a smart kid and you blink and he's gone. Oh, oh my gosh. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, I examined the pocket watch. It's ornate. It has the same sort of trim as the, the golden baseboards you noticed within the museum and also etched in small letters are the words pocket Watson. A pocket Watson. Well, I'm sure that will come in handy, um, but for now I slipped into my pocket and uh, try to figure out where I am. So I'm in the Redford Peaks tramway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what you see here is a windy storm outside, um, which kind of chills this entire open-faced structure. In the corner, huddled together are four young adults, 20-somethings, and a very concerned looking what you assume to be a tramway operator nearby uh, a series of machinery just kind of looking around and they make eye contact with you and beckon you over. Oh, okay. Uh, I cautiously walk over to the group. Uh, the operator first, he looks official. I want to know what's going on. Yeah, he looks somewhat official, uh, but he looks extremely worried. Uh, he has the face of a man who's about to get sued. Uh, <laughs> or is afraid of it at least and he, he sees you he's like oh inspector I, how fortuitous that you were here and exactly in a moment when we needed you so what what we have here is uh, five people got on this tramway uh, and then four came off and um, if, if you could help us figure that out that, that'd just be great uh, five people came on the train got on the tramway Four people got off. Uh, okay, uh, so many questions. First of all, um, what's your name, sir? My name is Gabe Thicket. Gabe Thicket. Now, when you say five got on, four got off, was is the fifth person missing? Is their body on the tram? or the, Their body is missing. I mean... I, I guess you're the expert here. So if you think they're dead already, then yeah, like uh, the, the body has yet to be found. The the people who got off, they're being a little dodgy. I was, I was hoping you'd kind of be able to get more information out of them. But 
All I know is on the other side, the, the operator saw five people get onto the ride at the top of the mountain and here at the base, uh, four got off and they, they kind of seemed out of it, but I, I, it looks kind of like they're returning to lucidity, I guess. Okay. Okay. Uh, but how long ago did this, did they leave? The, the tram ride was about 45 minutes and they okay. got back here maybe 30 minutes ago. Okay. So 45 minute tram ride. And in that amount of time, one person disappeared. Okay. I think I'd like to go speak to the young adults. Uh, first of all, before I leave Gabe, uh, who are these people? Are they just tourists or are they regular visitors? Are they locals? He kind of shrugs. He's like, I mean, I don't know them personally, but uh, from what I've heard from them so far, they're they're local, they're skiers, okay. um, just a, a group of friends. Okay. Um, that's that's all I got for you. All right, I will approach the group of four young adults, um, huddled huddled around, um, introduce myself as the inspector, and ask uh, first of all who's missing. That's my first question and then i want to get a general look at who they all are i ask them to introduce themselves yeah before they before they uh tell you about who went missing kind of the the general lay of the land here is on the left there is a, a girl with red puffy eyes it looks like she's been crying uh but she has an awful lot of makeup for a ski trip it looks like she uh cares about her her looks and she introduces herself as Carmen Santa Maria. Carmen. Carmen Santa Maria. She's 25. Next to her is a very gawky, nervous-looking boy. Um, he's 22. Um, he's kind of like constantly wringing his hands, like a nervous, nervous habit. Um, and he has a, a turtleneck that almost covers his chin because it's so high. And he introduces himself as Easton Holman. Easton. Okay. Immediately next to Easton, she is wearing like a tank top without sleeves, even though it's like absolutely freezing in here. She seems pretty comfortable outside. And she introduces herself as West Holman and sees the look in your eye when, when she says that. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm his brother, gesturing to Easton. And she's 28. Okay. I don't know if ages are helpful. I don't know if people say their age when I, I'm assuming that you want, you know, a little bit of basic information about each of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. And then finally on the end is this hulking figure. He's 6'5". Ooh. And he introduces himself as Asher Davis. He looks like he's a bodybuilder. Okay. And he is 29. Okay, cool. So when you ask uh, who went missing... West is the one who speaks up and she says his name is was I'm not sure it was Caden who's a friend okay okay when you when you say missing what do you mean missing how could he go missing they all kind of look at each other and they're like missing like he he must have fell fell off somewhere along the way and none of you noticed they all shake their heads no Okay, um, I'd like to talk to people one at a time just to try to get their story straight. Um, I'll start with Carmen on the left, take her over to, to a separate corner of the uh, tramway mm -hmm. and uh, ask her, so uh, basically the setup. So he was there when you got on the tram at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she starts from the beginning. She says, well, this was 
She says, I was, I was dating Caden. Uh, I was oh. his girlfriend. I want to go on this ski trip with, with my friends, Easton, uh, Easton and West, not Easton, Weston. Oh boy. I did this to myself. Um, she says, I, I was going to go on a, a ski trip with my friends. Caden uh, sort of invited himself because he really likes skiing. And I, I was skiing out there with West and Asher and I did some of the Black Diamond ski slopes. Oh, okay. Um, Easton is more of a beginner, so he was on the the bunny slopes, and and Caden went with him. And I don't know. We once we were we we're done skiing. Uh, there, there's a little like ski village out there, so we kind of hung around. Then we got on the the aerial tramway, and we were just exhausted. So we were mostly just kind of chilling. I, I I think I fell asleep for a bit there, and then by the time we kind of felt the the cart jiggling because it was getting close to the end um we we looked around and the count was off so i i don't know so you didn't notice kaden was gone until you arrived down here she nods okay was all his gear gone as well just him him and his skis she gestures over towards a bag in the corner she's like no i mean his stuff is all still here it was still all in the in the the tramway and were you sitting next to him in the in the tram or was he sitting by himself where was he when you last remember she says i mean we moved around a little bit but for most of the time i was sitting in a booth uh, across from asher and she kind of describes the layout to you of this tram it's it's a fairly large tram and it's primarily broken up into four different compartments of sorts like little you know, like a, like a, a corner booth in, in a restaurant. Each of them kind of have separating walls. Um, okay. So, so there's a bit of, of privacy in between them. She says that she was sitting in the, she was sitting in the booth that is directly across from the door where you enter the tramway. Gotcha. I mean, enter the, the, the gondola. Okay. At some point, I'm going to make a note. Examine gondola. I want to see if there's any other exits on this thing um okay uh i, t- I turn back to carmen okay uh do, do you have any idea what might have happened do you think he left by choice she kind of sniffles and she's like i mean kaden was foolhardy uh at at best and i mean i i can only assume that something happened and, and he fell um he he might have been drunk uh, uh i mean we were kind of partying uh so i don't know if he was in his right mind or or what but oh what a shame and she 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 cries in a way that sounds authentic but i can't do that so <laughs> i won't try fair, fair you mentioned he might have fallen off uh is is there a railing like how did the doors open from the inside or is there how do you think he fell off a moving gondola her eyes kind of dart around she's like i mean there's there's a balcony a balcony okay oh one more one more thing did you notice anything off about caden's behavior leading up to this i mean he usually lets me hang out with my friends without coming along. So I, I was a little, a little annoyed that he insisted on coming. 
And I was also a little surprised that he went skiing with Easton since Caden is, I mean, Caden, Caden actually invited uh, Asher to, to come on the trip with him. And usually they like hitting up the, the, the steepest slopes, you know, like he's really into skiing. So I was a little surprised that he went just on the, the bunny hills with Easton. But I mean, besides that, he was just his normal self. He wasn't acting weird. Okay. Good to know. Uh, I I might have more questions. Uh, in the meantime, uh, d- don't leave the tramway. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Cool. At this point, uh, Gabe sort of signals to you, and he's like, hey, so we've actually, the, the gondola is on its way back. We're, we're just a few minutes from it, it docking here again. It, it usually automatically just leaves back up the other way, uh, the, depending on what the operators d- decide to do. Um, but but we're gonna have theirs come so you can investigate it. Okay, thank you, Gabe. Well, that's coming down. Uh, I would like to quickly before I talk to the others look through Caden's uh, bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Caden has this kind of ski duffel bag. Um, you don't actually see any skis. Uh, it's possible that he rented skis. Mm. Uh, at the top because there are facilities for that. Um, but he does have ski poles or ski pool pole, <laughs> ski pole singular. Uh, there's only one. Um, otherwise, he actually has uh, a six pack of beers in there uh, with, with two beers removed. Uh, but otherwise, there's not really anything of interest. Okay, cool. Keep that in mind. Um I'm going to talk to Easton, pull him over to the corner, um, and ask him as well. So, you entered the gondola with Caden? Uh, yeah. Cool. And what happened on the way down? Uh, n- not much. It's a, it's a pretty short ride. Well, long enough for someone to go missing. Did you notice anything? No, I was I was sitting in the corner booth. Um, across from it was, I mean, the another corner booth, but otherwise I didn't really have a sight at at either of the doors. Either of the doors, the door leading out to the balcony and the door out. Right, the door leading out and the door to the balcony. And I know that the door leading out can't be opened during the thing, so like, I I don't think it's possible that he left through there. But, I mean. It can't have been anything bad because, like, I I don't rem- I didn't hear a scream. Like, I feel like I would have remembered if there was screaming or something. But so I I just think he he maybe he just yeeted himself off. I think he threw himself off. Well, while you were skiing with him earlier, did you notice anything odd? Did he seem suicidal at all? He actually looks really nervous when you ask about this, and he's like, no, no, not at all. Are you sure? Was there anything? What What? What did you talk about while you were skiing? Did you talk at all, or? Uh, he's like, we're, we're, we're not really friends, so, like, we, we didn't actually talk that much. Interesting, but you're not friends, and yet he chose to go on the bunny hills with you? That seems a little odd. <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty, pretty weird. Hmm. I don't trust Easton. Um. Okay. And when did you first notice that he was missing? Um. I think it was West that first said, 
hey, we're about to dock. And then uh, Carmen said, wait, where's where's Caden? So it was kind of the, the, the two of them that noticed. Okay. Other than Caden uh, disappearing, was this a pretty normal trip? He nods his head, yes. Um, how well did you know Caden? You said you um, didn't really know him well, but he's on this trip with you. Well, well enough. Uh, Carmen and me and, and West have been friends since we were kids, and she's been dating Caden uh, for a couple years now, maybe like three or four years. Mm. So uh, we we knew him tangentially. God. But I mean, we we didn't have we didn't have a lot in common, so we we wouldn't hang out a lot. Gotcha. Hmm. So you your guess is that he threw himself out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know if he was like suicidal, but he might have just been, uh, uh, out of it. Uh, may, maybe he leaned too far over the railing. Did you notice him drinking when you guys were up at? The top of the mountain? Yeah, I mean, like, everyone pretty much was. So it wasn't, like, weird or anything. It's not like he was a drunk. Yeah. Did he seem to have enough to be drunk or just tipsy or... Hard He's to like, I, I, I really couldn't say. I don't, I don't think he was drunk. Okay. I'll have some more questions later, Easton. Uh, st- okay. Stick around. Stick around. I, I will. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to pull west aside next she's the first one who looks like she's kind of like yeah i've been interrogated before Hmm. not that that isn't necessarily (laughs) true but she just seems really cool and collected put together okay okay but not necessarily suspiciously so i mean you're the one who decides Hmm. if things are suspicious ah let's see she's wearing a tank top and she's super chill it's freezing Hmm. interesting um Okay, uh, I, I'm going to ask Wes similar questions. Uh, did she, when did she f- uh, first notice that Caden was gone? Mm-hmm. So first off, she she kind of corroborates all of uh, what you've heard so far, as far as the the timeline before they got on. She explains that yes, it was Caden and Easton that that went by themselves, um, and then the three other ones, Asher, her, and Carmen were waiting by the, the tramway for a while um, for the other two to arrive. Then they all met up, and it was getting dark. They got on the tram, and West explained. She's like, yeah, I don't I'm, I don't really spend a lot of time paying attention to what other people are doing. I was really just, just vibing. Okay. Uh, did, even though you didn't super pay attention, was there anything odd that you noticed about Caden's behavior? I know you didn't know him super well, but... Yeah, I mean, it was odd that Carmen was dating him at all. Oh, like, why so? Because he was an absolute jerkwad. Oh. Every, l- listen, man. Everyone tolerated Caden at best. I don't know. It, he, he, he's not... If, if you met him, you would know. And I know this is an awful thing to say about someone who's deceased. And probably an even worse thing to say to an inspector asking about... <laughs> A suspicious disappearance, but listen, man, I just got to say how it is. Like, he, was he, he wasn't well liked by by most of us. Oh, interesting. And yet, Carmen was dating him. Do you know how that happened? 
she kind of sighs and is like, you know, in, in some relationships, it's pretty unhealthy, but people prefer to be in an unhealthy relationship rather than uh, a healthy single ship, let's say. So I, I think that there were factors that encouraged her to stay within a relationship when it really wasn't the best choice. Mm. Gotcha. Uh, and, and none of you really knew Caden before he started dating Carmen? No, I knew him. How did you know him before? Oh, we, we dated for uh, like a year or two, but that was like uh, five years ago or something. That was a while ago. You and Caden dated? Yeah. I mean, I, I said I didn't like him. It, that should make it clear enough, right? Like, we broke up. It was messy. Did you break it off or did he break it off? Oh, I did. Okay. Was it weird to see him again? I mean, he's been dating Carmen for a few years now. And Carmen and me and Weston, sorry, Easton, <laughs> uh, me, Carmen, and Easton, childhood friends. Like, so we've, we've always, I've, I've always been good friends with Carmen. So yeah, like I said, we tolerated him. Tolerated him at best. Okay. Interesting. And what about Asher? Did you know anything about Asher? Uh, I've seen him around a few times. He's Caden's lackey friend. I don't know. I think they have some business endeavors together. Okay. Occasionally, I'll see him show up to to my gym. You own a gym? Well, I don't own a gym. I'm I'm just a I'm just a personal trainer. But so so I work at a gym. Oh, dang it! I forgot to ask. What does Caden do? Do you know? She kind of shrugs and she's like, I don't know. Have you heard of like drop shipping? Drop shipping? I do not. No, it's like not. where you buy stuff online and then you sell it to other people for more money. Basically what every business does, except it's you literally do nothing. You just have a landing page and a website. It's it's a whole thing. Look it up. Drop shipping. Okay. Uh, one last qu qu question. Uh, so, hmm. Is Caden an, an experienced skier? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I'd say so. Why do you, why do you think he went on the bunny hills with Easton? She kind of shrugs. She's like, couldn't tell ya. I mean, apparently he wanted to. I I think that that's something that Easton will have to tell ya. And if he hasn't said it yet, then I don't know what what the kid's doing. My brother's a little know. weird. Okay. Okay. Easton is hiding something. Okay. Um, I'm going to leave West for now. And I'll talk to Asher quick, and then I'll follow up with Easton. Oh, then I also have the gondola. Okay, okay. Asher. Uh, I'll take Asher aside. And uh, first of all, uh, ask him, again, to corroborate everyone's story. It's just that, that check out with his version of events. And then again, when did he notice Caden's uh, disappearance before the end of the gondola ride or not? Yeah, he, he corroborates who is skiing with who. Um, he also says that he didn't notice Caden until the very end when uh, Carmen noticed and kind of shrugs. And he's like, yeah, we were we were really out of it, you know, just partying it up in there and not really totally top of mind. In, in a state of mind to really notice things like that. Okay, cool. Uh, was the gondola ride rough at all, or was it pretty smooth in terms of, like, rockiness? 
It's like, I mean, it was it was little rocky back and forth. Like the the wind whistling was like pretty loud. So it it was kind of like we had to like raise our voices when we were talking to each other. Okay. So that could mask some struggling or screaming possibly. Hmm. Okay. Um did you at any point see Caden go out to the balcony? He says, "Well, I mean, I was sitting in a booth uh, across from from Carmen, so the the really the only thing I remember is yeah, he did walk past the booth cuz all of us were kind of you know, we we had the entire tramp to ourselves. So and and that's unusual. It was like a pretty big tram, so we were all kind of just wandered around doing our thing and so I I definitely saw him pass by like kind of towards the direction of of the balcony door. So gotcha. But I don't I don't even remember when that was. It was probably probably earlier on, probably like I don't know, five, ten minutes into the thing. Okay. Did Caden seem out of sorts at all to you? No. Not, nothing odd. Mm-hmm. Um, who planned this trip, by the way? Do you know? Um, I think it was Carmen. Uh, she she planned it for her friends. I don't really know any of the three of them very well. Um, but uh, Caden was invited, so he invited me to join him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, why didn't he ski with you? If he invited you. Oh, uh, I think that he had some some stuff to get off his chest. Wanted to talk to with uh, with Easton. Okay, he has some beef with Easton. Okay, cool. All right, uh, don't leave town. Um, <laughs> I'm going to. Um... At this point, you hear the the kerchunk of the gondola arrive. Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go expect the gondola, but as I'm stepping onto it, I do want to uh, look at the mountain. So, uh, at the gondola path, it goes over mountain, does it go over like trees, is just a plain white slope. Basically, can I see a body <laughs> from where <laughs> I am? Or does it look pretty obscured? From where you are, you cannot see a body, um, but... It looks like most of the way is is somewhat clear. Like there there is at least one slope that kind of follows the trail of this tramway. So it's mostly snow without trees, and it's mostly just a diagonal slope up to the top. Okay. okay. In that case, I'm going to uh, talk to Gabe and, and ask him to uh, send someone from the top of the mountain down the mountain and see if they can um, sweep the area for the body. He nods and he's like, "Yeah, we we'll, we'll get several people on that, sure." Okay, cool. Um, so, so Gabe is doing a sweep, um, and I am going to examine the gondola. Okay, so you walk in the door, and to your left and right are booths, and in front of you, directly across the gondola, is another booth. To the left corner is a fourth booth. And in the right corner is the the stairway and the doorway to the upper balcony, which sits on top of the gondola. Oh, there's an upper, upper balcony up. Okay, um, I'm going to uh, look uh, 
dig through the, the, the booth, see if there's anything left behind before I go up to the balcony. Mm. Uh, as you walk in, first thing that hits you is a very strong smell in oh. here. It's kind of like rotten fruit mixed with skunk. Uh, does it smell like a certain drug? Yes, it, it ah. sure does. Interesting. Thinking back to the people, did any one of them smell like that stronger than the others? You know, you, you think hard about it, and it's difficult to point out, but probably Asher. And as as you're thinking about this smell, you do find in one of the booths, kind of under the corner of one of the chairs, there, there are multiple chairs in each booth, uh, you find just the last little stub of some... It looks like a part of a blunt. Okay. Okay, so there was a reason... People were pretty pretty out of it, especially Asher. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I poke around um, Easton's booth specifically. Um, anything odd or just empty? Nope, just empty. Okay. Um, then I will go up the balcony and to the top. So you get to the balcony door and it is locked. Uh, you're able easy enough to get a key card from Gabe. Uh, but Gabe actually explains to you, he's like, yeah, the, the balcony is only accessible if you go with uh, an operator on board. Um, for, for security reasons, we don't allow people to access the balcony unless we have one of our operators on the on the tram. Oh, oh, was and was there an operator on this particular tram? He looks at his clipboard. He's like, uh, no, no, it was just them when they got off. How does an operator allow access to that? Just a key card? Key card, yeah. Everyone has a key card. It has their name on it. Um, is anyone's missing? He's like, um, I'll, he, he takes a radio and goes, anyone missing a key card? Um, and no, no hits. No, no one. Okay. I'm going to investigate up at the top anyway and then see if I can see a different way to get up there. Okay, so you go up to... The balcony. The balcony is about half as large as the entire tramway. It uh, actually sort of sits above the cables. The way that this tram works is oh. the cables are kind of on either side of the gondola, which leads to above the cables uh, an unobscured view of the mountain. Ah, beautiful. And it would be if it wasn't. Uh, it, it's it's still pretty like windy and overcast and. At this point, it's dark outside. Mm. But looking on this balcony, you're just doing a, a, a regular old scan? Yeah. Uh, is it chairs? Was it just railing? What, what what am I looking at? No chairs up here. Uh, the entire top is uh, surrounded by a, a four-foot-tall banister. Mm. And um, as you're looking on the ground, uh, you see a small rubber ringlet of sorts it kind of looks like a washer and it's about maybe an inch an inch and a half in diameter okay small rubber ringlet yeah kind of like a donut shape okay would i recognize what that is i.e does it look like something off a ski pole yeah yeah that that is entirely possible okay okay well i'm gonna look around for a ski pole somewhere on mm -hmm. the top of the balcony. 
Uh, no such object, but as you're you're scouring the ground, you do see um, on one of the balconies, or ne- nearby one of the, the railings, uh, just a few drops of blood. <sighs> okay, I'm examining that railing real close. Can I see any anything else? Do I see tracks in the blood? Is it just drops of blood? Is it on the railing, on the ground? Um, is it dripping off the side? Yeah, this blood, uh, it's, it, you would miss it if you weren't looking so closely for it. Um, mm. It is on the ground, maybe six inches to a foot away from the, the railing. Um, and examining where the railing is, you, you actually can like look over the railing, and you can see on the other side of the railing, you see just a faint bit of... A similar blood on the outside of the railing. Okay. So the railing itself doesn't really have much blood, but on the other side, there is some. So, Caden went over the railing. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Hit bludgeoned with a ski pole. I'm, uh, examine the little rubber ringlet. Any blood on that? No. Okay. 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 He's stabbed with the ski pole. That'll be so. He's missing a ski pole. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Um. Uh. Looking around the um ground and the railing, can I see any other signs of a skirmish? Any, I don't know, knocked over bottles or or, or footprints with scuffle marks. You know, you, you see some scuff marks on the ground, um, but it's it's hard to tell if that was from this group or mm. another group. There's not really any direct signs of a, a scuffle. Okay, cool. Um, then I'm going to look um, and see uh, if I can find any other ways of entering the balcony. So, for example, do any of the windows in the lower area open? Could some have scaled up and over? The, the windows have kind of hatches where you can open them up a bit mm. they are do not open enough for uh for a human to, to crawl through okay you assume for safety reasons yeah makes sense um looking at the door i came through did it look like it was forced at all it did not no okay at least there was no evidence of that not forced Again, examining the door, can I see any signs that it didn't lock properly, i.e. tape or gum stuck in the locking? Okay. You don't see any tampering. No tampering. Uh, no tampering of door. Uh, smell of marijuana, I assume, is not uh, as strong up here, or if at all? Yeah, not as not as strong. Okay. But I don't see any uh, leftover joints on the ground. Okay. Mm-mm. No, but actually... Looking for a little bit more, I would say that inside the cabin, um, scouring for it, you actually can see little bits of the inner the inner workings of of a blunt. Uh, I don't have the vocabulary for this, but you know, like w- looking out for it, you notice a bit of ash. Um, okay. And it's not just in the one booth; it's actually in uh, three of the the four booths. Okay. So someone is passing it around. Okay, cool. Um, one last sweep of the inner cabin. Any blood down there? Not that you see, no. Okay, cool. 
Uh, I am going to step out of the gondola um, and go back to Easton. Pull him aside again. Um, and He perspirates. It probably means he was hydrated well. <gasps> so, so you're lying about being shipwrecked and thirsty for three oh, days. no! You got me. Okay, uh, Easton, sir, I was talking to West, and she said... <laughs> That there was a very specific reason that Caden went skiing with you. Care to elaborate on that? Uh, West said that? Yes, she did. Asher also had some interesting things to say, but I think I'd prefer to get it directly from the horse's mouth. He, he sighs. He's like, um, and he reaches up where his turtleneck is, and he pulls it down, and he shows you on his neck is, is a, a fine cut. Uh, about two inches across. Oh, uh, how did that happen? Um, a knife? A knife? No! <gasps> what do you mean, a knife? It's like, well, um, Caden, I-, I was I was just going to ski alone on the bunny slopes, and Caden said he'd join me, and as soon as we were alone, he uh, took out his knife, and he held it up against me, and he said if uh, if I stepped onto his his girl anymore, he was he he would kill me. Oh my gosh! It's like uh, and I don't and I don't like how that sounds. Saying that to to an inspector in a, a presumably a a murder case. Um, yeah. Were you stepping onto his girl? <laughs> you say that, and it looks like he's about to like break down in tears. He's like, <laughs> Camden and I are friends. I, I. <laughs> Okay, okay, I admit it. I, I have feelings for Desi Camden, it's Carmen. He's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're so close, they get their names wrong sometimes. Let's say, you know, it's a real cute, a real spicy, cute, yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, he he kind of pours out his voice, like, look, I, I, I do really like her. I like Carmen a lot, but I would never, I'm, I, Caden could have killed me any number of ways, like this entire time. He's, he's, he's a, he's a big man. He's a big scary guy. Um, I don't. I, I would never d- do anything untowards to, to, to either of them. Okay. Like I, I have feelings, but we were just friends. Just friends. Just friends. Uh, so is Caden also a bodybuilder like Asher? He sort of nods. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that they, I mean, if not a bodybuilder, he definitely cared about his physique. Okay, cool. Uh, one last thing about the cut. Is it deep enough that it would be dripping, i.e. would it be the blood that I found on, would it be possible to be the blood that I found on top of the balcony? It is deep enough uh, to be blood. Sorry, to, to, to bleed. <laughs> but besides that... Um, it's not it like is, soaking through the t- turtleneck. It, it's not soaking through the turtleneck, but you do notice he pulls the turtleneck b- back up, and you see that the, there is a very fine cut along the turtleneck. So it's not like it's oh. not like Caden pulled down his turtleneck. Oh. He, he held the knife up to his throat. Oh my gosh! And uh, Easton, you didn't do anything to defend yourself when someone had a knife to your neck and actually cut you with it. I mean, what would you do? Um, like. Uh, just I, I told the truth. I said I'm not going to do anything. I promise. And he just w- w- wouldn't let go. We were 
we were on that mountainside for like a long time where he was and just that, he was just ranting at you yeah he, he said that he he would he would cut me uh, again if if i ever did anything you realize that is assault and you can do something about that um, uh, no thanks well, I mean, I, I can do something now if you wanna if you wanna file a report for me. I, I won't. I, I wouldn't mind. Minute. File a report for Easton. Um. Okay. Was there anything else that he talked about while he was threatening you, or is this simply just about Carmen? He's like, I I can't remember really any other specifics. Mm. He was just he was just trying to like lay out the evidence of how he he was on to me. What evidence did he have? Oh, just, just that he, that Carmen wanted to to go on the ski trip with me, so he knew that she was like reciprocating something. And he said that he came on the ski trip to 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 make sure that nothing happened in between us. And did anything happen? Anything that even could have been construed as uh, suspicious? No, no, absolutely not. Besides, I mean, it's. I mean, Caden is missing now, but like, so that that's pretty weird. But like, me, me and Carmen, there there was there was nothing there. I w- I wasn't even with her. I didn't even sit next to her on the on the tram. Like, mm. I I didn't ski with her. We we got to the tram, and I didn't even sit with her. That's it. Okay. One last thing. Did you partake in the drugs that were being passed around the gondola? He turns like pale, super pale, and he's like, "Yeah, is that is that bad?" Who else was also uh, partaking? Do you know? Did you know this? He, he sighs. He's like, "Everyone." The reason that they took the the tram by itself was because they wanted to hotbox in there. Who arranged this? How? Yeah, who was in charge of getting the tram? How did they get it? He's like, well, I mean, I was, uh, Caden and I arrived late, so I don't know which of the other three specifically set it up, but they, I knew that they were all in on it. Okay. Uh, one last thing, Easton, uh, in your, uh, time on the tram, do you know of a way to get on the balcony without a key card? He shakes his head no. He's like, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't think too much about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, get that get that cut fixed up. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be back momentarily. He whimpers. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask Gabe really quick uh, if he knows of any way that people have gotten on to the top of a tram without a key card. Um, as you're you're doing this, he's actually he's on the radio. He's like, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Get, get, get a ski mobile. Get, get, get a snowmobile. Get a snowmobile and and get here right away. And he turns to you. He's like, "We found the body." Dun, dun, dun. Oh my A message from the curator. East and west, but which to trust? Before this scene is snow and dust. Euros hides a scar of rage. 
but which one murdered Kay offstage? <laughs>